0: The next three weeks, we are going to be headed in a direction, and it's a direction of hope. Guys, if you can throw that slide up, this is where we're going. The series that I've, God has led me to is based on 1 Peter 3.15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And my question when I read that a few weeks ago was, what is the reason? Why do I have hope? Why is there hope? And so, for the next three weeks, we're going to begin to unpack that one word, hope. And today, we're going to look at, at a heavenly hope that we have hope for the future. Next Sunday, we're going to look at, or this week, we're going to compare heaven and hell. That heaven is real and hell is real, and, and the hope that we have uh, in heaven. Next Sunday, we're going to look at hope for the present and, and the reality of the Holy Spirit in our life and the reality of Satan in our life, and the hope that we have in the Holy Spirit. And then August 14th, two weeks from now, we're going to look at hope for the past. Is there really hope for my past? Because I've made a lot of mistakes coming up through life. Even before I accepted Christ, I I, I lived a life that I I don't know, that, that I still carry a lot of that crud along with me, that things happen to me that I still haven't gotten over. Is there hope? for my past, and the fact that God wants to redeem our past. And that's going to be a special week because I'm sharing the pulpit with someone, and I'm not telling you who. But we're going to share, and, and, and this person has an incredible story of, life, of God redeeming her life from the past. And so we're going to, we're going to unpack over the next three weeks this incredible word, hope. And what hope do we have? I remember growing up in Kansas. We think of Tornado Alley. But when the spring rains came, there was usually flooding. And I can remember that, that, that whenever the spring rains came, our, our little back patio had a little itty-bitty drain in it. And it could never take what the rain brought and always we would, we would go out and we would watch when we knew it was a heavy rain because we could just watch the, the, the rain go down the drain and then slowly water up and then it would start to get a little, and then it would start to get closer to the sliding door and then it would start to come up the sliding door and then it would come under the sliding door and across the carpet and down the steps into the finished basement. And more than once we had to pull that carpet up. And let it all dry out because that little drain couldn't take it. It was a hopeless situation. We'd go out every time with a little bucket, and we would just start bailing out that drain, but it was never—it was never—we were never able to keep ahead of the rain. It was hopeless. Have you ever been in a hopeless situation? Maybe, maybe physically, like a like a, a flood or a tornado. Maybe emotionally, when circumstances were were overwhelming, and you have no idea. How you're going to get through this next thing? Maybe spiritually, have you ever been overwhelmed by your own sinfulness? Have you ever sat and, and looked deep within your heart and, and realized your own sinfulness, your inability to measure up to God's standard of perfection, or that your life seems to count for so little? Every day you go out with your little bucket and you start bailing, but it doesn't seem to be making a difference. Have you ever found hope in the midst of the overwhelming feelings? Like when the neighbor showed up with his pump and kept the water from flowing into your living room. Or maybe when when circumstances changed, or even when they didn't, a feeling of peace overwhelmed you in the midst of the circumstance. When your darkest spiritual battle that you came to know that there is a God who loves you and is willing to forgive you of the deepest, darkest, most secret sin. Peter tells us to be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. What hope do you have? Where is your hope this morning? If I really pressed you on that That question, where is your hope? What are you hoping for or in the most right now? Does your hope lie in this world? Is your hope in the right relationship? I hope he likes me. I hope she likes me. Is your hope in the right job? I hope they hire me. The right house. I hope they accept our offer. Or maybe your hope is you've placed your hope in the right church. I hope they believe like me. I hope they worship like me. I hope they look like me. I hope they act like me. I hope they like me. Where is your hope? And this morning, what is hope? Because a lot of times we misuse the word hope. I looked on the internet. I typed in, what is hope? Search. A lot of interesting stuff popped up. Changingminds.com says, hope happens When someone sees something, decides that it is desirable, realizes that they may not get it, but believes that there still is a chance of getting it, that's hope. I see something that I want, it's desirable, I don't know that I'm going to get it, but maybe there's a chance. Wikipedia, that internet dispenser of mostly true information says that it is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best or the act of looking forward to with desire and reasonable confidence feeling that something desired may happen do you see a similarity in there that that's wrong it may happen if you're putting your hope in something that may happen what are you standing on Maybe might, maybe not. We have a president who is elected on the concept of hope, that there is a better tomorrow. I hope there is. Hope always points to a future happening, something that we look forward to, a pleasant circumstance or event. But like faith, your hope is only as certain as the object of your hope. Hope stirs the emotions, but it is not emotionalism. It's emotion with substance. The hope we are talking about is not the wish upon a star hope. That I hope it may happen, I hope it might happen, golly gee, it would be nice if it did. It's not the Christmas wish list hope. Or I really want this to happen, but I doubt that it will hope. For the believer. For the Christian, what we hope for is certain. We stand on solid ground. It's not a wish that I may or may not happen. It's a wish that I know will happen. That's why I place my hope in it. I place my hope in Jesus Christ because I know what will happen. I just don't know when. I place my hope in in the fact that Christ died for me because I know what that's going to mean for my life. I know with certainty That my hope is real. It's not, I hope God will forgive me. That sounds uncertain. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us. I place my hope in that promise. I hope I will get to heaven. That sounds uncertain. John writes that we may know that we have eternal life. My hope is based on fact. I hope I've lived a good enough life. That sounds uncertain. And it should be. Because salvation is, not, is by grace alone, not works, so that no one may boast. For the Christian, our hope is that Jesus Christ lived, died, and is coming again. That his life was lived in sinless perfection. That his death was an all-sufficient sacrifice for my sin. And that his return will forever transform me into his presence for all eternity. Hope in anything else is hopeless. Romans chapter 8, Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption to sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. All who hopes, for what they, who hopes for what they already have. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Maybe you've seen this happen. Basketball season, championship game, home team is down by one. There's no time left on the clock. It seems hopeless, but there was a foul called at the last second as time ran out, and one of the home team players is on the free throw line shooting two foul shots. There's a chance if he makes one, we tie. If he makes two, we win. Everything is dead quiet. He stands at the foul line. He takes his dribbles. He sets. He shoots. Swish. Tie ball game. He gets the ball again. He says there's nobody else on the court. He's standing there by himself because time ran out. Takes a second. Shoots, scores. The game's over. We win. Now, let me ask you this. Given that scenario, if you've ever been in that situation, who wins that game? Does the guy who shoots the free throw, is he the only one that wins? No. Is the, is the home team the only one who wins? No. Because the coach also puts that into a win column in his record, too. The, the, the guy shooting the free throws wins. The home team wins. The coach wins. Who else wins? Every fan of that team wins. Everyone who has placed their loyalty into that team walks away a winner. All of the people in the stands who are rooting for the, the home team, what do they say when we left? We won. Okay, I bought a ticket. That's all I did. But we won. I'm a Kansas City Royals baseball fan. We haven't won anything in over 25 years. I think we rival the Pirates somewhere in there. In 1985, we won the World Series. I wasn't even at the game. I can't guarantee you that I even watched it on TV. But we won. Everyone who places their loyalties with that team wins because of what one person did on the foul line. Jesus Christ was nailed to a cross. A sinless life willing to die for the, sinless, the sinfulness of the world and all those who believe in him. Jesus stepped to the line and did what you and I were unable to do and secured a victory over sin and Satan. And anyone who places their loyalties with Jesus shares in that victory. We won. We are all winners because of what the one man Jesus did on the cross. For the Christian, this world offers nothing worth hoping for. All good things come from where? From heaven, from God. He supplies us. Our faith is a future in heaven, and this is not a mere wish. I hope heaven. No, I know heaven. My hope is in the Lord because of what he did on the cross. Psalm 39 Verses 4 through 7 say, Show me, O Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting is my life. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Each man's life is but a breath. Man is a mere phantom as he goes to and fro. He bustles about, but only in vain. He heaps up wealth, not knowing who will get it. But now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. My hope is not in anything that this life has to offer. It's not in wealth. It's not in riches. It's not in other people. My hope, the psalmist said, is in you. Hebrews chapter 9 says, Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him waiting in hope hope that is not wishful thinking but hope that is sure that we can live this life in hope and we need to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have and if we are living life filled with hope people are going to ask because your life looks different you don't seem to get overwhelmed like the rest of us what's different about your life and say well It's the hope that I have. My hope is in Jesus Christ, that he died, buried, rose again, and is coming a second time. Our hope in the future is that heaven is real. For the believer, our hope is certain. It's not a maybe. That God is preparing a place, a new heaven and a new earth. Why why we don't know a lot about this place, God does reveal some things. There's a lot of speculation about heaven. I usually don't like to get into conversations about heaven. Because most of the time those conversations aren't based on truth. They're based on wishful thinking. And what I think and what I, what, what I want heaven to be like. Because God really reveals very little about heaven. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 21. Start at the back of the book. You'll be there in about three seconds. Revelation chapter 21, last book, second to the last chapter. This is God's, one of the few times he opens up and reveals to us what heaven is going to be like. Listen, and we're going to read a good chunk of that chapter. Now just in your mind's eye, picture the hope that we have, that this place, what I'm about to read, is real. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. The very essence of heaven is being in the presence of God. That's the best definition of heaven you'll ever get in the presence of God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. The old order being that Satan had authority. And Satan would cause things to happen that brought about pain and death and mourning and crying. But sin was reigning that now death and sin have been done away with. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. You see, it's not a wish list. This is trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of earth will bring their splendor into it. Oh, no, on no day will its gates ever be shut. For there, is, there will be no night there. Heaven is a safe and secure place. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it. Nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city, on each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. Not every year. Every month. Fresh crop. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent His angel to show His servants the things that must soon take place. Behold, I am coming soon not soon enough for me hope that is placed in heaven that is real where is your hope this morning jesus is coming again we don't know the day or the hour we've heard that some people think they do but biblically if anyone says it's going to be on this day you can pretty much rest assured it's not because the bible says no one knows the day nor the hour but he will come and he'll gather all believers unto himself. Like a, like a groom waiting for the bride and gathering the bride together. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Only those who have placed their faith in Jesus and nothing else. Only those who live for Jesus and nothing else. Only those whose hope is in Jesus and nothing else. Because if everyone is going to be in heaven, then there is no justice then Christ's death was for nothing. Because if heaven is real, then hell is real. Hell is being prepared for the devil and his angels. And anyone who doesn't believe in God is going to accompany them there. Anyone who doesn't believe in God with all their heart, all their soul, all their mind, all their strength is going to wind up in hell. But the cowardly The unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all the liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Jesus described hell as an eternal place of fire. Destruction, condemnation, torment, a fire of wrath. This will be no campfire that you want to sit around and sing songs. Many times, we, we, as, as often as we misconstrue or misunderstand what heaven is, and we, we try to figure it out, I think we misunderstand what hell is, too. We try to make it not as bad. Yeah, it's going to be bad, but not that bad. No. Eternal place of fire, destruction, condemnation, torment, Fire of wrath. Statistics that I found from George Barnum, and I know you can do anything you want with statistics, researched a group that said 75% of people in America believe in heaven. 71% believe in hell. Now, it would seem if you have a right concept of heaven, if you're in that 75% and you understand the truth of heaven, then those numbers would be the same. Because if you understand the truth of heaven, then you have to admit that hell is real as well. Only 32% believe that it is an actual place of torment where people's souls go after death. The rest consider hell a state of separation or it's just symbolic of bad. It's not real. Folks, hell is real. And as much as we, we believe that heaven is real, we sometimes forget that hell is real and that's where my neighbor's going That's where everyone who doesn't believe, everyone who doesn't confess their sins and and accept Christ's forgiveness and and live a life worthy of the calling is going to end up. Many times we think that Satan is the ruler of hell. He's not. No one rules hell. He's going to be there as as an eternal resident just like everyone else that's there. He's not the ruler of hell. He's going to be cast there as a prisoner. Ultimately, hell is the separation of God. If we understand heaven to be the, being in the presence of God, then hell is the separation of God. All of the attributes of God, His goodness, His mercy, His love, all of His attributes, there will be not even a hint of any of those things in hell. God, God does not just send someone to hell. We have to understand that too, that they spent a life of ignoring God. The people who spend a life of choosing self, therefore the the just thing to do is to have them spend an eternity separated from God. That if we spend a lifetime ignoring God, if we spend a lifetime of of not following Him, of of separating ourselves from Him, then the just reward is an eternity of separated from God. We get the idea that because God is love, He's not going to send anyone to hell. He doesn't. He gives everyone a choice. And people will choose heaven or hell. That's our choice this morning. There's only those two choices. And our hope for the future is that heaven is real. As bad as life seems sometimes here on earth, there is still a godly presence here. Can you imagine, just for a moment, and don't dwell on it any longer than that, What life would be like if God completely withdrew. No more mercy. No more goodness. No more love. That's hell. A real place. Lately Christians are arguing about the reality of what Jesus spoke about. But hell is a product of God's justice. Walter Martin said about the existence of hell and eternal punishment in his book, The Kingdom of the Cults*, He said they make much to do about God being love, but they forget that because he is love, he is also justice and must require infinite vengeance upon anyone who treads underfoot the precious blood of Christ, who is the lamb slain for lost sinners from the foundation of the world. What kind of a loving God would he be if the wicked were never punished? Why would we have sent his son to die for our sins if we could reject that redemption and not eventually pay the price? What incentive would we have to do good and love God if we knew we could reject his son and choose to do evil all of our lives and never be punished? We would not want this lack of justice in the streets of our cities and towns, so why do we expect God to meet it out in the overall universe? Folks, you have a decision to make. Some of you I know have made it. Some of you have gone, gone through life and, and you've gathered information but you've never come to that point in your life where you have said yes and aligned your life, your, your will with the will of the Father. That you've never accepted that forgiveness. Our hope of one day being in the presence of God is made possible through the death, resurrection and return of Jesus Christ. By placing our faith in Him By confessing and repenting of sinfulness in our life. Yes, I am a sinner. Turning from that life of sin, allowing God to transform us, to change us. Then our hope is secure. Then our future is eternity with God in heaven. But every other attempt to, to be a good person and hoping that my good outweighs my bad, hopelessness. That attending attending church and hoping I came enough times, hopelessness. Reading the Bible and hope I read it enough, hopelessness. Treating other people well and hoping I didn't offend too many along the way, hopelessness. Hoping in anything except the death, resurrection, and return of Christ is hopeless and will lead to an eternity in hell, a very real very dark, very bad place. Justin's going to come and, and play a, a closing song, and I, I want you to think about your future. Before we go to, and, and share communion, because I think this is a perfect opportunity to gather around the table together and remember that if you're here this morning, I want you to really examine where you are. Where is your hope? If someone were to come up to you as you walked out those doors and say, Give me a reason for the hope that you have, what's your answer? If it's anything other than I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, my Savior, for my sins, it's hopeless. It is destined for man to die once and then face judgment. Are you ready? The future is yours. God has laid out the plan and offers you a choice. Believe the truth, receive forgiveness as Paul and as Paul said, wait patiently for heaven. Reject the truth, continue to try to do the best you can and hope it is enough and find in the end that it wasn't and be cast into hell for all eternity. Are you ready to stand before your creator and face judgment? Or do you want to stand before your Savior and receive forgiveness? We're going to stand. Everyone stand now. is just in place. And if you're here this morning and you want to place your trust in Jesus, if you've never accepted his love and his forgiveness, and you say, you know what, I've been hoping in all the wrong things, then you just make your way right down here. You make your way right down here, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to accept you the way Jesus accepts you. No shame no guilt. This is the best decision you've ever made in your life. Just in play.
1: What reason have I to doubt? Why would I dwell in fear When all I have known is grace My future in Christ is clear My sins have been paid in full There's no condemnation. Show here I live in the good of this my father has brought me